What I want to share today is spot on, right where we are, but how does it affect us? God is looking for a distinct people, a distinct people. There's different ways the scriptures acknowledge that, but I like that word distinct. It's not one we use every day. It has a bite in it. It has substance to it. A distinct people. And so we have to ask ourselves, do we have what it takes to be a person of distinction? Do we have what it takes? Here's what we find in Titus chapter 2. It's as if we got an email this morning from glory. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the, and the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us, here's the secret, from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous of good works. Some versions say a peculiar people. And I like that word as well, but sometimes we use that word to have fun with somebody and to tease them. That's why I so choose the word distinct. God has prepared us to have distinction. He has prepared us to be different, to be peculiar, to stand out, to act different. And we do that because we're infused with God's spirit. We're not just mammals walking around, taking up space and breathing air. God has created us uniquely. He has put within us not only the ability to have soulish emotion and intellect, he's giving us a spirit. And it's through the spirit that he speaks to us and directs us and causes us to think different, to walk different, to act different. But there's the rub, isn't it? Because the world we live in is always saying, be like everybody else. Conform. Even though there's a spinning of the words, well, I'm going to do my own thing, there's always conformity in the message. Conform to the law. Conform to the group. Conform, conform, conform. The Bible tells us not to be conformed to this world's, but to be transformed. How? By the renewing of mind, the spirit. So God is at work for his people to be distinct. Again, what does that look like? Well, I want to go back to an Old Testament reference. When you go back to do, I mean, Exodus chapter 33, you'll find the summation of the story where you have a people known as Israelites who've been in Egyptian bondage for 400 years, generations. And now they have been delivered from that experience. They have crossed the Red Sea. They have now moved into Sinai, and it is there that God is speaking to their leader, Moses, and giving them the law. 
giving them life. As that's going on on top of the mountain, at the base of the mountain, the people have already conformed to worldly thoughts and have taken all their jewelry and melted it together and molded a golden calf. Again, of course, the judgment that comes along with that. And now as we get past that, God speaks to Moses. This is a powerful scene. He says, now it's time for you and your people to leave Sinai and to go to the land that I've promised. But there's a caveat. But I'm not going with you. I was with you. I have protected you. I have shielded you. And I'm going to be a God of what I've promised. And I'm giving you the land. I'm just not going with you. Because you're not a distinct people. You're not what I've expected. The people start weeping and crying. But it is Moses who intercedes for this people. There is distinction. And basically, he is praying this, God, then if you don't go with us by your spirit, I don't want to go. The people don't want to go. In other words, there's promise ahead for us, but if you don't go with us, we're not going. Wow, what a scene. What a statement. And God honors the intercession of one to save a nation. They would have gone on, they would have moved on, but what would have happened to them without God's protection, without God leading them? It speaks to us today as well. Back to what Paul was writing to Titus there, we see again what God has promised for his people to be a peculiar people, to infuse us with his spirit. And again, just going back to what we've already Shared the grace of God has appeared to us, bringing us salvation and training us to do what? To renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. How many knows it's possible? But only through his strength and spirit. And he says, we are waiting for that blessed hope, his appearing. He's going to redeem us from all lawlessness. And there's the word. Lawlessness is what Brother Allen was referring to earlier. We are living in a time where we are seeing lawlessness being pronounced. In other words, laws have been set, but we say we're no longer going to abide to those laws. We're going to be a law within ourselves. We're going to do what we want to do. Human nature has personified itself to a level, I, I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. I'm just going to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, as many times as I want to do it. And I don't care what anybody thinks. This is the prevalent spirit, and we're seeing the manifestation of it. It doesn't take much for us to gauge this. There's a thing called a thermometer. And a thermometer is what? It's something that shows us the climate. We can get together in our Christian circles and we can say, you know, things are bad. Brother Allen got up here and depressed all of us, didn't he? <laughs> he gave us the climate of what we're living in. 
This is how Jesus worded it. Matthew 24, verse 12, we have it recorded for us. And he told us as well what would come out of Alan's mouth. Because lawlessness abounds, what happens? The love of many will grow cold. Oh. So we do see this lawlessness. And we see the effect. Cause and effect. Where there's lawlessness, people start losing what they have in so many respects, but we're talking about the climate. And here is an amazing insight. David Jeremiah brings it out. I love that he's brought this out. It's helped me to understand something as well to another dimension. That word increase literally means to blow or to breathe. I didn't really expect that to be the definition. And because, now we look at Scripture, because lawlessness is breathing, because lawlessness is blowing, the love of many are growing colder. To prove the point, I know we've got coffee drinkers in the house. And when you get that fresh brewed hot cup of coffee, I was at QT this morning and I watched a guy do all that and he walked over to the ice vending machine. But for those of you that may not have ice, my mother-in-law is right there saying, why would they do that? Get it hot. <laughs> amen. It's the first time she's amen in a year. When you get a hot cup of coffee and you don't have ice to put in it, what do you do? There's the picture. When lawlessness abounds, there's a cooling effect, not a heating effect. Wow. See, we thought it was the reverse. We thought things were heating up. Lawlessness. Heating up. No, it's the cooling down. The cooling down of what? Glad you ask. Of love. In every respect, we are seeing not only agape love, philae love, Philadelphian love, storge love, all the way down the list, all the different descriptions of love, there is a cooling effect. You don't believe that? Look at the thermometer. When it tells us today, suicide thoughts and behavior of children up to age 18 have increased 287%. The rate of substance abuse in adults 55 and older has increased 172 percent. There's the effect. There's the manifestation. Because lawlessness, we want to do what we want to do, how we want to do it, when we want to do it. There's a cooling effect. We're in a political season. Let's just go there. Crime. There's an increase of crime. 
And what do we see in that crime level going up across the board? It breaks our hearts when we hear reports in the news how a mother can kill her children. <sighs> There's a cooling effect. She's lost her love. A cooling of the value of how she once loved. Pastor, I don't like it when you preach like this. Well, it's where we live. What's going on? And You see, it is spiritual in nature. We keep thinking, if I can elect this person to take care of all the problems, that's what's going to set up the Antichrist for the planet. Oh, did he just say that? So God is looking for a distinct people that isn't just swayed by the blowing of the spirits, the devaluing of life. Oh, I know it's another political time bomb, landmine, abortion. Increase. Again, well now we're finding out from some that there's really no life there at all. It's just molecules. Really? My Bible that's going to be around when everything else is gone tells me God knew me in the womb. The cooling down. <sighs> Murder rates up. How can you just walk up and shoot somebody in the head and walk over to McDonald's and get you a hamburger? Because you have lost something. It isn't heating up. It's cooling down. All these things are speaking to the present state of the cooling of love. Everything from God, I still love you, however... I, I know I've preached this in the past, in other passages, when it talks about the love of, of God and, and this waxing effect. Again, we see that we still can say we love God, but are we at the level we once were, or has there been a diminishing, a cooling? There was a time I, I, I had to spend time with God in prayer. I couldn't make it through the day without it, but now I'm finding out I can get through the day without prayer. I, I'll get around to it. There's something happening. Now, again, without getting condemning in that, what we're bringing is the effect of the winds blowing. How many knows there are spirits at work right now? Spirits of division, of hate, of war. This cooling down, and for a lot of us, we just want to cocoon. God, I'm here whenever you're ready to come back. I'm just going to hide. But he's still looking for a distinct people. Again, turn with me to Ephesians. Matter of fact, stand with me, would you, for the reading of God's Word. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That according to the riches of his glory, how many knows God is rich? He may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
that you, being rooted and grounded in that love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Give him praise in this house. You may be seated. So we see what he, God said. I, I, I know what's going on. Through Jesus, he tells us that lawlessness will abound. It will increase and be, the result will be the cooling down of the planet, cooling down of attitudes, of values. We will see the manifestation of these things. And again, this is why the love of God given to us to give us salvation to all people. We know as a congregation how many countries now, nations are represented in this house of worship. The gospel has gone around the world and offering salvation to the whosoever. And in this, he reminds us that it is love that makes the difference. We're not to render evil for evil, are we? But that's natural for us. This cooling down effect says, well, they deserve it. But God's still looking for that distinct people. The people that understand the work of his spirit. And I love how he words it here, that we may be able to comprehend. That doesn't mean just having intellectual assent. That doesn't mean now I've got some more knowledge. It is experiential that we comprehend the love of God. We comprehend the love of God when it's face to face, when it's our rear guard, when it's that sheltering cloud over us. We understand the love of God at its length and its width and its breadth, its height. We understand the love of God surrounds us. Amen. We experience the love of God. When we are to know Him, it is an intimate statement, not just, yeah, 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 I learned it in first grade, I know His name. No, it's knowing on a personal level the love of God. The effect of the love of God in us. The love of God that transforms us. I talked to an individual this week, and I said, it's so good to see you. It, 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 I have the privilege of knowing you, the before and the after. The change of a life that the gospel of Jesus Christ made in this individual. Behaviors change, conversations change. Why? Because the love of God. They comprehended it, and it's affected them. They don't think like they used to think. They may battle certain battles like they used to, but they know that the weapons that they have now are not what the weapons they depended on yesterday. God says, I've got things for you to fight this warfare in a proper way. I'm going to protect you and shield you. Wow. So you see, that's why he says we are rooted and grounded in what? In his love. See, it's always that word that keeps coming back. 
Just how big is this love? How powerful is this love? How all-comprehensive is this love? We're rooted. It's a horticulture term. We are deeply rooted to be able to withstand whatever nature is dealing with out here circumstantially because we're getting our resources here, deep. We're getting our nourishment here. We're getting our hydration here. When there's drought here, I'm still able to draw the nourishment, the hydration that I need. So it is in the Spirit. We are grounded in that love. When the winds get blowing and we see the effect all around us, we realize, but we're still grounded in the love of God. It's an architectural term. We have a firm foundation. That God took the time to set the foundation for us. Our rock, the Lord Jesus Christ, and our lives is anchored upon that sure foundation. What does that do for us? There's another word. It insulates us. Many years ago... I think I was serving as youth pastor here back in the dark ages, I don't know, a long time ago. But Paul Kahn, the president of Lee University at that time, wrote a book called Dad, Mom, and the Church. There's only two things I remember, three things I remember about that book. I remember the title and the author and one particular thing that made such a great impression for me. And it still works today. And he was talking to parents. He said, Mom, Dad, there's lawlessness out there. There's evil out there. There's hatred out there. There's prejudice out there. You cannot isolate your children from evil. What you can do is insulate them from the evil. Good word. As parents, we would like to isolate, especially when they become teenagers, right? Not only what they're dealing with, we don't know how to deal with them. Can I hear an amen? I'm going to lock you in your room, boy. <laughs> and when you turn 21, I'll let you back out. Maybe you'll grow a brain by then. How many has ever said something like that? <laughs> Samuel Clemens hated children. Most of us know him by the name Mark Twain. And in his time, they had whiskey barrels. And the side of that barrel had a hole. It's called a bunghole. And he said, when a kid turns 13, put him in that barrel and feed him and let him get oxygen through that bunghole. When they turn 16, plug the hole up. <laughs> That's not in my notes, just inspired thought from readings. No, seriously, I drive that bus today, and I think, my God, these kids need you. The social media, the lawlessness, we cannot isolate them. We can teach them how to be insulated, rooted, grounded in the love of God. So we're going to change one thing and go from a thermometer 
to a thermostat. There's a world of difference. The thermometer tells you what's out there. It helps you prepare how to dress, maybe. It tells you what maybe you might deal with a little later, but that, that, that's it. It's limited. It's just telling you the climate of the present time. But the thermostat can set the future. Wow. It's cooling down out there, but we need to insulate ourselves from that cooling effect. So in the spirit, we will set the tone. A people of distinction, again, having the ability now to say, Lord, I know what's all around me, but I'm also reminded when other spirits were moving on a people so long ago, and that death angel was on the march, and just outside the city limits, the word came out through that distinct people. There is one thing that will shield you. There's one thing that will insulate you, and it's the blood of the Lamb. And you get the word out. Get the word out and soak them doorposts and lentils and let them know that if they'll remain insulated, whoo, come on, somebody. If they'll remain in that shelter, if they'll remain there, those spirits are going to keep moving and blowing and cooling down the effect of the value of life, but it will not come near you. It's going to have to pass on by because when it sees the blood of Jesus... That's what makes us distinct. We can talk about the bad times all we want to, and it has its place in conversation. We have to know what we're dealing with, but we also need to understand the value of that ability of the setting, the thermostat, not just the thermometer. And so I, I, if you'll stand with me, I love how he expresses it. He said that we may be able to comprehend to experience with all the saints the love of God. 